Well, good morning, Renew Bible Church. It is so good to be together today. And we do have so much that we can be thankful and grateful for. I wanna welcome you, those who are here in the room and our other auditorium as well as online. Uh, what, a, what a blessing it is that we can come together today and just have a wonderful time of worship together. Uh, just a, a time that we could give back to God what he deserves, his, his, uh, his glory. And uh, it's always good to kind of set our hearts on a Sunday morning with some singing and uh, just remind ourselves of what God has done for us. And hopefully you had the chance to do that this week over some turkey. Uh, how, many, how many turkey people uh, we got out there versus ham people? Uh, I'm a little bit more of a ham guy myself. Uh, I enjoy that on Thanksgiving. And I also, I'm all about the sides, that mashed potatoes, you put as much cream cheese and sour cream and butter in there as you can, whip that together, mix some corn in there. Are you allowed to do that, have stuff mixed together? That's how I like to do my sides. And, and oh man, Thanksgiving is just such a wonderful time to, to kind of fellowship around food and uh, just be together, hopefully as a family. Not everybody has the opportunity to be with family this time of year, but if you did have that opportunity, I pray that, uh, that you took uh, t- soaked it in, that you enjoyed that. And one of the things that happens when we get together with our family, uh, whether it's our in-laws or our kids or that are grown up and came back and, and are now home with us, one of the things that happens is that we jump right back into our natural order, into our place in the family. Whether you're 60 years old or, or 20 years old, when you come home and you're sitting at mom's table, mom's the boss again. Is that not true? And something that happens that I've noticed is that when it comes to parenting, parents cannot help but revert right back into their role in, in, in parenting and remind us of the things as kids that we need to remember in life. Now, I've had the pleasure to be a, a parent. I have uh, children on my own, and, and for seven years now, I, God has blessed me with that. And there's something that happened that I didn't expect. I didn't expect that not only would I come preloaded with dad jokes that I could now embarrass my daughters with, uh, but now also there are certain phrases that I find myself repeating over and over again. I don't know what's coming over me. Um, I, I hear my wife repeating the same things over and over and over again. So it got me thinking, where does this come from? What's this all about? Why, why do parents repeat the same things over whether their children are three years old or, or like 60 years old? Parents repeat the same things. Here's, here's a few things. I, I listed a few out. Some of these things that parents seem to uh, remind their children of gently over and over again. How about this one? Shut the door, please. Stop letting all the bought air out. Stop letting all, all the paid air out into the wild. We, we pay for electricity here and heat. Let's keep it inside the house. Shut the door, okay? Uh, and, and for some that's not a big deal. My, my family growing up, like the door was wide open for like 10 minutes at a time because there's always people coming in and out. Seven kids in the family, there's always someone coming in and leaving. Uh, my in-laws, not so much. It's, it's, if you have that door open more than three seconds, there's like alarms going off and, uh, and shut that door, okay, if you wanna be in that household. Clean up when you're done, please. I don't mind if you get some toys out, but just Put them away before you go out and like empty like three more bins of toys, okay? Clean up when you're done. Shut off the lights. For love and mercy, shut the light off when you leave the room, right? Shut the, these are things that parents find themselves saying and repeating. Um, how about this one? Moms, you're guilty of this. I'm not your maid, okay? There's not like a fairy maid floating around the house that just magically cleans up after the, the dishes and the plates and makes everybody's rooms clean. And, and as a kid, you're like, yes, you are, <laughs> because you keep doing it. <laughs> you keep doing it, so I'm just gonna keep letting stuff out, you know? And moms can't help themselves. They have to clean up, you know? They, they, and, and some dads too, uh, but I, I'm, not, I'm not your maid. How about this one? Um, say thank you. Say please, or, or as parents would say, what do you say? And sometimes we're guilty as parents of, of interjecting before our kids even have a chance. And like someone gives them something, what do you say? And like, I was gonna say thank you, but uh, okay. And, and we're training them because we care, because it's important to us. How about it's time to go, or we're gonna be late again. I have found myself saying this over and over in just my short years of being a dad. Hey, we're gonna be late, let's get going. We got, we got to get in the car. We got to get going. Or someday you'll thank me. 
Someday you'll look back and, you know, if God blesses you with children, son or daughter, uh, they're going to torment you the way you tormented me. And you're going to see, right, you're going to see what it's like and you'll finally understand. And hey, you know what? That is true. When children grow up, we do realize that what mom and dad have been saying all along was true and that we needed to hear these things. Or possibly it's, it's drive carefully, drive carefully. It's something moms always say is their kids are learning to drive 16, 17, or like 30 years old and still learning how to drive. Drive carefully, or as my friend's dad would always say, drive fast, take chances. And now it's his saying, you know, drive fast, take chances. It's kind of like break a leg. Hopefully we heard this repeated. I love you. I love you from our parents, right? These are things that parents say over and over and over again. But why do they repeat the same things? Or some moms on social media say, you know, I wish I just had like a repeat on my phone of recording of me saying the same things over and over again. Why do we repeat things? We repeat things because they are important. We repeat things because there is value to them. And we want to instill that on our children or on the next generation or those coming after us because there is value to what is being said when it comes to scripture. There are times in God's word where God repeats himself where he even adds emphasis and says sometimes even the same thing in, in the same passage multiple times, and often in, in different language, using different phrases, but he repeats things over and over because as a loving father, he knows that there are areas of my life where I need to grow. He knows there are things that I need to learn and process and, and do. And when it comes to the area of thanksgiving, giving gratitude to God and giving him thanks and, and giving that back to him, God knows that I am naturally prone to ingratitude. You know, there's a statistic we find in the Bible. You look at the, uh, the story, Jesus heals 10 lepers, 10 people who were struggling with this awful, terrible, life-changing, life-altering disease. In other words, they were socially dead and physically dying. And Jesus came and he showed grace, he showed mercy, and he healed them. And as they went off to the, the priests to show themselves clean at the temple, one, of those 10, turn back to God. Scripture says he was a Samaritan, someone who the Jews hated even. Only one of those 10 turned back to God and he worshiped Jesus. Jesus said, you are healed. He, he even implemented that, that spiritual healing had occurred as well. But one in 10, which tells me statistically, I have a 90% chance, 90% chance of ingratitude in my life. Let that sink in for a minute. When you wake up in the morning and you put on your shoes and you head out to work or you go to school or you head down to the, the house to, to be with the kids, there is a 90% chance that you are gonna live out a day filled with ingratitude. If that's true, if I know that I'm prone to ingratitude and as a human being who, who still struggles with the flesh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna battle this ingratitude I need to look at the scripture and to see what God's word has to say and how to grow in that area because it is important to God. In fact, God's word says 168 times, 168 times throughout the Old Testament and the New, God references this idea of giving thanks or thankfulness or, or thanksgiving. That concept of, of giving him out of a, a heart of gratitude, just giving it back and being thankful Offering that back to him. He talks about that 168 times. He repeats himself over and over. Why? Because it's extremely important for children of God. It leads to a life of joy instead of grumpiness and grumbling. It leads to a life of satisfaction and eyes being open to things that maybe we weren't seeing before. Giving thanks to God is extremely important. In fact, uh, evangelist Billy Graham says it's one of the marks and distinctions of a believer. Here's what he says. Thanksgiving, that is the giving of gifts or giving of thanks to God for all his blessings should be one of the most distinctive marks of a believer in Jesus Christ. Read that again. It should be one of the most distinctive marks of a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. So when we head out to work or school or whatever we're doing throughout our day, people should look at us and they should be able to visibly see gratitude. They should see it overflowing from our hearts and overflowing from our lives. And they should see that's a follower of Jesus. Last year, Pastor Chris challenged this church to be a remarkable church, 
to be the kind of people and the kind of church that, that others take note of and they remark on. Well, I would submit that being a church that is grateful, that has hearts of gratitude and that's overflowing in our worship and our praise and in our talking and our conversations and in the way we live our life, being that kind of person is remarkable. That's how a church, it can be defined by being remarkable is by having thanks in our heart. It is a distinctive of a believer. It's also a key to a thriving faith. This isn't just something we talk about or we do around a dinner table where we just go around and say one thing we're thankful for every Thanksgiving. Praise God for those moments. They're wonderful and they're, they're healthy for us, especially in our families. But this should be a daily practice. This should be a habit that we are forming and we are developing and cultivating in our hearts. Thanksgiving at the, is at the heart of a thriving faith. Whoa, whoa, time out. Gabe, that's like a big statement there. I want you to think for a minute about the people in your life who you would look at and look up to spiritually and say, you know what, they are a role model spiritually to me. Uh, they mentored me. I look up to them and, and they just exhibit joy in their life. I would, I would account that they have a practice of gratitude and thanksgiving in their life. I bet you they have gratitude practice in their life on a daily basis and it's, it's amounting to a life that it just has a thriving faith because when we give thanks to God, we are placing our faith in him. It's also the key to a life of joy. When I think about the people in my life who exhibit joy the most, I have people in my mind right now that I'm thinking about in this church family, somewhere in here, somewhere in the first service. When I think about those people, I can, I can count on the fact that they have gratitude as a part of their daily practice, that they're giving back to God gratitude and thanksgiving. And because of that, they're experiencing joy. One author says that joy is found when we wade in the river of thanksgiving, when we let thanksgiving flow to us. That's where we experience the true joy of God because we're, we're seeing things in a different light. We're understanding things. We're, we're able to pick up on different aspects of God's goodness and it leads to joy. So if thanksgiving is a mark of a believer, what's the mark of an unbeliever? Well, the apostle Paul teaches us in the book of Romans that at the very beginning, although God created everything and created everyone and he has revealed himself to all mankind, we can look, go outside and look up at the stars and the billions and trillions of stars and we can see the beauty of nature and we know in our hearts that there is a God who created us and loved us. Paul teaches us though that, that man, evil at the core, without God, unable to, to attain salvation, rejected God, didn't acknowledge him as God and didn't thank him. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul alludes here that having ungratitude in our life and not giving thanks to God, not acknowledging him for who he is and what he's done in our life, it is not just a, a, a shame, it's sin. It's at the core of someone who is an unbeliever who says, I will not acknowledge God. I created this. I created this life. I made the life I wanted it to be. I don't have a maker. I don't have a creator. At the core of an unbeliever is someone who says, I refuse to give thanks to my creator, the one who gave me purpose. Well, the apostle Paul is an author who understands a lot about thanksgiving. Not only because he went through so many difficult things in his life. As we read through the scriptures, we see that, that Paul was shipwrecked multiple times. He was beaten with, uh, with rods and with, uh, with fists, and he was left for dead. He was imprisoned numerous times. And all throughout all of that difficulty, Paul said, I have found the secret. I have found the way to be content. And he goes on in Philippians and says, for all things, I, I, can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ is the one who gives us strength to be content. Christ is the one who allows us to be grateful. And Paul understands aspects, specific aspects of thanksgiving. So let's take a look at what Paul says about this idea of thanksgiving and how we can implement that into our life here. Here's what Paul says in Colossians. He says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So he says, give thanks in the way you pray. 
This is a specific way that the church can be grateful, that we can give thanks to God, is when we are praying. And Paul demonstrates this over and over and over. There are so many prayers of Paul. Sometimes he opens a letter with this, and other times it's just scattered throughout the epistles. But he, so many times where he's thanking God for the church that he's writing to, he's thanking God for mercy or for grace. But he says, I always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Then he goes on, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Watchful because we know that we're prone to ingratitude. We need to be watchful in our prayer and do it with thanksgiving. We continues this idea in giving thanks and prayer in Philippians. When he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. So that kind of prayer life leads to this idea of joy. Paul was always thanking God for the churches that he was working with and the people, those who were coming to Christ. He just had this continual attitude of gratitude in his life of prayer. That's one of the areas where we can show God our gratitude. Prayer produces gratitude. Well, Paul also shows us that we can give thanks in our worship. We had the opportunity this morning to do that, and uh, we have a, a wonderful worship team I'm here every week comes in and, and leads us, and, and uh, I'll tell you what, um, I can say that because I work with these people, um, but the people on this stage who, who lead worship every week, they love the Lord, and there's no agenda, and uh, they just love to use the gifts God has given them. And I am honored to, to be a part of that on Sundays, and that God allows me to lead our church in worship. Um, and, and he always checks my heart. Every time when I come up here on this stage, God's checking my heart and I, I'm saying, God, would you allow me to go out there and just be authentic in my worship to you? And God, I am grateful for this opportunity, right? He's always checking my heart and we can worship with thanks. Whether it's a Sunday morning or in our kitchen, listening to Spotify in the car, we can have moments where we are saying, God, I wanna give it back to you. He shows us this in Ephesians when he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. Your heart should be at the core of your worship. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, our, our worship should flow from hearts of gratitude. He continues this thought in Colossians 3 when he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching admonishing one another's, right? This is where we get to practice the one another's when we come together. Admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, which we have a chance to do every time we gather together with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So Paul's reminding us that we can give thanks in worship, but it has to flow out of a heart of thankfulness. So we have to cultivate a heart of gratitude towards God. And lastly, he says, you can give thanks in all circumstances. Our church has kind of latched onto this verse right here and it's been very powerful for us as in our culture because we know that God has given us direct insight into what his will is for us. It's not a mystery. God says his will for us is to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing. It's continual. To give thanks in all circumstances. Time out, Gabe. All circumstances, because uh, I'm not sure you really know what my family's going through right now, and it doesn't feel right to give thanks for what we're going through. Well, I can give thanks in all circumstances. Doesn't mean I have to give thanks for what I'm going through, although I can grow in that. I need to give thanks in all circumstances because I know that God is working behind the scenes. He's gonna work everything out for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's gonna turn out the way I desire or I want, but I know that God is good. So I can be thankful because he is growing me through this and he is going to uh, glorify himself through me if I will allow myself to be grateful. In all circumstances, that's rapata living. That's why many of us, we got our bracelets on because we need those reminders that I need to rejoice always, pray always, give thanks always because this is God's will for me. So Paul gives us these, this kind of context and how we can give praise to him. But how do we cultivate that? 
How do we cultivate that in a way where we see that every day of our lives? How do we live that kind of life of Thanksgiving that other people look at and they see Thanksgiving flowing through us and it's just overflowing from us? How can God take someone who's maybe in a spot in life where they're a little bit grumpy or they're a little bit discontent or they're a little bit envious of the things around them? How can he take that person and turn them into a joyful spirit? Only he can do that. But we have to allow him to cultivate thanksgiving in our heart. This morning, church, let's explore. Let's explore ways that God has given us that we can be thankful. Would you pray with me as we begin Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your challenge to us this morning. Lord, even the ability to talk, to breathe air into our lungs, God, that comes from you. We can be grateful for so much, but Lord, we know that there is a danger, there is a temptation, and we're prone to it of being ungrateful, God, of, of not showing you thanksgiving, not giving it back to you. So Lord, would you help us Through your grace, God, we ask that you would uh, allow our hearts to cultivate gratitude towards you. And Lord, that uh, coming out of that, we would just receive joy and peace and and just see your grace flowing in our lives every day because of it. We pray this all because of your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, church, what are you full of? Maybe you've had someone in your life say, hey, you're full of it. You're like, I'm really not sure what it is, but apparently I'm full of it. Uh, I, I don't know really what to make of that. Well, when I was in high school, uh, this kind of picture is what I think of when I think of being very full. When I was in high school with some friends of mine, uh, attend church here, our senior year, we would load in uh, my buddy Adam Meller's uh, 90, uh, 1973 Caprice Classic, which we installed a giant trophy on the hood as our ornament, right? We hop into his car and we drive down to Quakertown to the China Buffet. And we would get that lunch special on a Saturday. Every Saturday we had the opportunity. When I come home from college, we'd call each other up. Hey man, we going to China Buffet today? You betcha. Okay, we went in there one time and I think it was about five minutes after uh, 12 o'clock and the woman said, sorry, lunch special's over. We said, oh, we'll take our business elsewhere. And she said, what? We'll give you the lunch special. So we went in there, we enjoyed ourselves every Saturday and we would eat so much food. Now, if you eat traditional Chinese food, you know that the American version of that is not the same, but I don't care. I would just pound all this food. In fact, my favorite was the fried dough balls covered in cinnamon sugar. I don't think that's a Chinese tradition, but I love it. Mm -mm -mm, Okay. And I would fill myself up so much where I'd kind of walk out like, oh, why did I do that? Right? Some of you are feeling that even this weekend after Thanksgiving Sunday, you know, or Thanksgiving meal. And and I would just feel so full. That's not necessarily the best kind of full feeling there is, but what if there was a, a way, an ability to be so full of something that actually overflowed in your life? Some of you are so full of sports knowledge that, you know, if someone starts talking fantasy football to you, you just are rattling off statistics and, and it's just overflowing. Or maybe you know, uh, you know so much uh, about music that when people start talking, you just can't help but, but talk about that. Or you know so much about your line of work that when your boss asks you a question, you just rattle it off because it's overflowing from what you filled yourself up with. Or maybe you know uh, every line of a movie, you know, you watch Elf or you watch The Grinch at Christmas and your kids hate you because you're, you're saying every line, okay? I'm guilty, I'm guilty, okay? You're so full of something that it's overflowing. What are you full of? What if we were so full of thanksgiving that it was overflowing out of our life? Because if you're full of gratitude, thanksgiving is naturally going to be what spills out of you. When you're cultivating this in your life every day and you make it a spiritual discipline and a habit, guess what's going to naturally flow out of you? Not ingratitude, gratitude, thanksgiving, and you're gonna naturally find ways to give thanks to God. You won't be able to help it. It's like singing that song, how can I keep from singing your praise, God? I can't help it because I see things in my life that I am just so thankful for, and my eyes have been open to that. It will come from an overflow of our heart, but there are hindrances to that kind of flow in our life. 
Recently at my house, uh, a few years ago, we had uh, you know, some plumbing issues. So um, I did what every good pastor does. I called up Mike Nice, okay? And Mike came over to my house. Mike is our buildings and grounds facilitator and he takes care of all the parsonages that are part of our church. And, and Mike came over and he brought his, uh, his snake and he put that in the tube and we took apart everything under the sink and I'm under there, you know, before I called Mike, I'm under there pretending I know what I'm doing. You know, it's like when your car breaks down, you open the hood and you stare at it. You're like, yeah, hmm, doesn't smell right. But everybody knows you don't know what's going on. That was me under the sink, okay? So I call Mike, he comes over and we're trying, we're testing everything out, making sure, no, that's not, that's not clogged, that's not clogged. Well, it turns out that it was actually underneath down in our basement, there was a long pipe and it's just filled with food and debris and corrosion for, for 12 years that we've been living there. Just little things go down the drain and it starts to build up and clog that so the flow can't get through and the water started to back up into the house. It was a terrible situation. Mike helped me out. Well, a few years later, it got bad again. And he said, you know what, let's call, we, we should call the plumber, a professional come in here and really get it really good. And they were down in our basement for a couple hours and, and they, you know, just covered in stuff, okay? I won't go into it, but 12 years of, of dishes and food and corrosion, all sorts of stuff in our pipes, but they got it cleared out. Here's the point. If we don't take care of our hearts, if we don't, this, if we don't start to grow gratitude, there are things that will hinder it from happening. There are things that will, that will hurt the flow of thanksgiving into our heart. It will keep us from overflowing of gratitude. We're gonna talk about two of these things specifically. Here's the first one, busyness. <clears throat> busyness. I say that because I feel like I'm as guilty as anyone. So I guess I'm in a good spot to stand up here and not be a hypocrite because I, I, I get it. We're busy. We find ourselves flowing from day to day. Uh, you know, I, I have a hard time looking like weeks ahead because I'm like just trying to figure out what's happening tomorrow, okay? I, I'm trying to figure out what is going on I, and I have to accomplish this and I need to do this and I'm explaining all this to my wife uh, all the time and, and, and she has things on her calendar and we have dates on there uh, for the family and Christmas, Christmas parties, right? There's like a Christmas party every week and we're trying to make it all happen, right? And what happens is this busyness, busyness starts to clog up our, our hearts and our, our pipes and it hurts our ability to be grateful. Um, our lives are full, our calendars are full. We're, we're literally running on Duncan. Okay, that's not just like a cute phrase, like America runs on Duncan. Some of us, you guys are running on Duncan. You got your extra large big gulp ready to go this morning. Here, here, right? Amen. And you got your coffee and that's what you're running on because you have your eyes down at the desk. Your eyes are down at the steering wheel. Your eyes are, are down at your phone. They're down at your calendar and you're constantly filling your life with things that you need to accomplish. Now, as I said, I'm not one to stand up here and condemn. I'm as guilty as anyone as, uh, uh, of being a busy person, allowing busyness to kind of control my life and kind of squeeze the gratitude out of my heart at times. Um, but that's a danger, right? We can grow in danger of be, becoming maybe just physically present and, and um, you know, mentally checked out. And we're in a moment, we're at the Thanksgiving dinner table and we're thinking about the things we have to get done guilty, right? And these are ways that, that our, our gratitude can be squeezed out. The corrosion starts to build up if we're not cultivating it as a spiritual habit. Maybe our, our, our motivation gravitates towards calendars and tasks instead of God's heart. Instead of seeking after God's heart, our motivation is to accomplish more, do more, get more done. And, and we just have this dream of this idea, if I can check off all my boxes, then everything will clear up. That's never going to happen, right? We will fill it up every day. It's a danger. It's a danger that we have to just be aware of. Oh, here's the second one. And it's related to busyness. It's distraction. If busyness is blinders on a horse, that kind of keeps us head down, focused on just one thing at a time where we can't see what's going on in the world around us. If busyness keeps us with the blinders on, distraction is a thief. Distraction is a thief that steals the little amount of time that we have left over that busyness leaves us with. 
busyness drives us to always do more, where distraction steals that time we have left. It fills up our spare moments with meaningless distractions. Instead of rejuvenating our souls and our hearts in times with God or being out in nature, what we do is we distract ourselves. It urges us to scroll endlessly on our phones. You ever find yourself on your phone, you're like, you're like I gotta check an email, and you find yourself on social media just scrolling. You're like, I don't even know why I did that. It's literally, there is, a, there is a rut in your brain where you've trained your brain to do certain things, right? I won't get into that, but it's a danger. Scrolling aimlessly, uh, just watching glowing screens, checking email in, in line or, or being at the cash register. And you're like, I, I got like 30 seconds before the next person, I, I can check my fantasy squad real quick, you know? And, and we, we are filling our times up with distraction. We passively fill our minds with noise rather than thinking upon the biblical truths or values or the blessings God gives us all around us. What does this stem from? Why do we hide in, in uh, our, our man cave or in our garage doing a hobby that, that is not a bad thing, but we could be rejuvenating with family? Why do we do these things? Why do we uh, hide from relationships? We do this possibly out of fear. Maybe we're afraid that we're gonna miss out, so we always have to be up to date on what everyone else is doing even though it drives us towards envy. Maybe it's a fear of relational intimacy. We're afraid that if we actually invest into those relationships in our life, that things are gonna be exposed in our hearts. We're gonna have to have hard conversations. We're fearful of that, so we distract ourselves instead. If I can just put on another episode and binge watch that show, I won't have to talk to my wife. Maybe it's the fear of silence before God. If I actually give God time and I'm silent in his presence, what do I even say? What's he gonna say? I mean, I don't even know how to do that. So we fill our minds with distraction. These are dangers. Dangers that can squeeze the gratitude out of our pipes and keep us from overflowing with with thankfulness. The good news is there is a solution. The solution is to fix our focus. Dustin Crow says, Thanksgiving grabs us by the chin. Grabs us by the chin and lifts our eyes up so we can focus on God rather than the things around us. What a beautiful thing Thanksgiving is. It allows us to, to lift our heads and not just see what the blinders allow us to see, but to open our eyes to what's going on so we can see God in our life every day. In fact, I think the best way to illustrate this with you is to bring out, I got something here. My gratitude glasses, all right? Now, I'll be selling these in the, in the store today afterwards. So if you want a pair, $29.99, okay? I got my gratitude glasses here. And what's amazing about these, you know, they're so big. It's like bug eyes. But what if, what if my life was so defined by gratitude that when I look around, I just had wonder, there was all to the world. And I look around, wow, that's amazing. Look at this church. Wow, this church is awesome. Wow, this job you gave me, God, is amazing. God, I'm just so blessed. What if gratitude allows us to see the things that we don't naturally see? If we're naturally bent towards ingratitude, maybe we need some help. We need to put on our gratitude glasses because there are things that we are blind to. And when we do this, there are three areas specifically that we can focus on. I want to give us three things this morning, three areas about God, about his goodness that we can focus specifically on if we put on our gratitude glasses. So I challenge you church to put on your gratitude glasses this week with me. All right, let's take a look at three areas where we can recognize God in our everyday life. Here's the first one. Thanksgiving or gratitude recognizes God's grace. I can put on my gratitude glasses and I can go do the same thing I've been doing every day. But all of a sudden, instead of that job, which I hate, or that boss who's overbearing, or those kids who are just, oh, they're so obnoxious and annoying, I start to see the, the grace that God has shown me in everyday life. These are specific ways that we are recipients of God's grace. Here's a couple. First off, what we see about God's grace is that uh, even our life is a product of God's grace. Colossians 1.17 says, 
He is before all things and in him all things hold together. You know what that means? That God is sustaining me. He's sustaining the universe. And in fact, if, if God let go of his sustaining power, our entire universe would just explode and spin off into space, okay? It, the fact that our, our globe that we are living this cute little life on is, is spinning on this axis and the, the, the planets are all around. If we were 100 miles closer to the sun, we would burn up. God is sustaining all of that. He sustains our lives. He sustains uh, the 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 oxygen that I breathe, my life is held together by God himself. Without his grace, I don't exist. You don't exist. We don't have another day to live. Not only that, but we also see that his grace is seen in our salvation. When we put on those glasses, we see salvation and we can sing songs like, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. And it changes us. It changes our heart because we understand where we were before Christ. We were dead in our trespasses. We were enemies of God. We were not part of his family. And he in his grace took us, placed us at his table, said, Gabe, you are my son. I've adopted you into my family. Yes, you are far from me. You are an enemy, but I love you and I forgive you. That's his grace, his salvation to me. I love how the apostle Paul says this in his letter to Timothy. He says, thank him who has given me strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. At this point, Paul's just overwhelmed that God would call him faithful and allow him to be a servant. He says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me for the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He says, I was insolent. I was, I was an enemy of God, but God's grace overflowed towards me. And now he calls me his child. He, he allows me to serve in his kingdom. Acceptance acceptance, his grace invites me into his presence. Not only do I have life, I have salvation, which I don't deserve, but I get to be accepted by God. Hebrews 4 says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may have mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I get salvation and then he calls me his kid. I'm accepted. I can go before his throne of grace every day. Not because I deserve it, but because he loves me and he's given me purpose. Our last one, purpose. He has saved us. Second Timothy says he has saved us and called us to a holy life. He's called us to a holy life. When I was a child, when I was growing up in, in the faith, I thought holiness was kind of this burden that God kind of placed on us, like kind of this Nazarite vow. If you think about Samson, like you got to do these things. Well, holiness, I thought of as this, you know, I got to check off these boxes. I didn't understand uh, that holiness is actually a gift. Holiness is being set apart. It's a privilege. Well, God, I, I, you know, I kind of want to do what my friends are doing. I want to talk like everyone else and act like everyone else. And you want me to be holy. Ah, you called me to be holy. I can't be like everyone else. Well, no, no, no. Romans reminds us that we are not called to that kind of life. We are called to be set apart, to be transformed by the renewing of the mind, to be different. And that is a privilege. It calls us out. He sets us apart. You wouldn't wear a pair of soccer cleats into the dining room. I wouldn't wear a pair of basketball shoes out into the street because they are distinct. They are set apart. You wouldn't take your fine china and give it to kindergartners at lunch at school, right? These are things that are set apart. It is a privilege. God gives me purpose. What grace we have. So recognize God's grace in your life. That's a challenge this morning. Recognize God's grace. When it comes to his grace, how do you recognize that in your life? In what area of life has God shown you tremendous grace? Here's the second one though. The second thing that gratitude recognizes is God's gifts. What does a gift do? Well, a gift tells you a little bit about the person giving it. 
someone gives you this ornate gift that they, they took time to put to de- together and orchestrate, that tells you that they love you. It tells you how much they care about you. They've been thinking about you. When God gives us little gifts in our life or big gifts in our life, it tells us something about who he is. It tells us about his love for us. And we are thankful not only for the thing, but for the person. When someone gives you a great gift, you are not just thankful that they gave you the gift. You're thankful for them. You're thankful to them. And when God shows us his gifts every day, we can acknowledge those, we can recognize them, and we can be grateful to him. James 1 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. What does that teach us? That God gives me things, he gives me gifts that are good and perfect. Good in the fact that everything good in this life comes from him. As Pastor Doug said in our prayer this morning, everything is from God. We don't, we don't do anything without him. Every good thing that we have comes from him. And it's perfect. Perfect meaning it is complete. It's complete. There's a completeness to it. It's not kind of a half gift. Oh, we got to, the rest of it's in the mail. Like Amazon hasn't delivered it yet. And, and, you know, the second half is still coming. No, it's complete. God has a complete and perfect gift that he's given me. And I lack for nothing. What else can I understand about his gifts when I put on my gratitude glasses? I can see that these gifts are not earned. I cannot earn them, which is good news because it means they're free. Don't you love free stuff? Are you the kind of person who's driving down the road and you see like something with a cardboard sign that says free? You're like, I don't need it, but if it's free, it's for me. You know, free stuff is amazing. Well, God's grace and his gifts, they're unearned and they're free for us. We can't earn it as Romans 6 says. The wages of sin was death, but the free, free gift to God is eternal life. What a gift. Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This last aspect of, of his gifts is that they are, they are from him. They are divine. Matthew 7 says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So if you as humans who are marred by sin, you even know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your perfect heavenly father understand your needs and know how to give good gifts to you? It's a perspective. He's comparing and saying, that's how much more God will give us good gifts. They're divine gifts. So we need to learn to recognize. We put on those glasses. All of a sudden, we start to see that, that other dimension, right? Putting on those 3D goggles, you start to see things that weren't there before. You put on your gratitude glasses, you start to see the good, the perfect, complete things. You start to see the things you didn't earn, the things that are from God that are just perfect, the gifts from him. We need to recognize God's gifts in our life. Where are those gifts for you? Maybe the gifts that God has given you are, are, is your family. And this time of year is a great time to recognize the, the family that God has given us, right? Maybe it's a house that you live in where you, you don't have to sleep out in the cold, in the rain. You have a home and you have heat. And although it's expensive, you can still have a house to live in, Right? You can be grateful for those gifts. How about a school that you, your children or you get to attend? You complain about it, but we have schools that we can attend. We can learn and we can grow. We have a church, a building that we can come together in, in physical seats, amen? What does perspective do for us? It shows us that sometimes when something is taken away, how, how much we needed to be grateful for it all along. I know I am grateful for my church family to see your faces on a Sunday morning coming out of what we've gone through the past couple of years. These are gifts that God gives us. Your health, whether it's in good standing or not, your health is a gift from God. Little moments that happen all around you. Something as simple as a warm cup of coffee, you're sitting in a Starbucks, you're sipping it and you smell the aroma in the air, you see a smile on a face, the sun is beaming down and you feel the warmth on your skin. Those are all gifts that without my gratitude glasses, I miss. We need that. We need to see these things in our lives, to see God's gifts. Well, the next blessing, our last one that we're gonna look at here uh, that we can see when we put on our gratitude glasses is God's goodness. It's exhibiting so good in Psalm 136 when the psalmist writes, give thanks to 
the Lord, for he is good. And his love endures forever. It doesn't end. It doesn't expire. It's not like, hey, your trial run is up in three days. And after that, you're gonna have to pay the price for it. And we're gonna slam you with a whole year's worth of, of subscription fees. It doesn't end. It's free. It's continual. His goodness never ends. His steadfast love doesn't give up. It doesn't quit. It doesn't fail. It holds me in his hand and there's nothing that can separate me from it. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Well, how do we see this? Let's take a look at some of these aspects of his goodness. First off, scripture tells me his goodness is abundant. We've been talking about this idea of overflow. Well, guess what? God has kind of this 401k of goodness stored up for us, okay? He's storing it up and he has this abundance. It says, oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you, God. God, you are storing up your wealth. You're storing up your goodness and it's gonna overflow into my life. Wow, God's goodness is abundant. We can see it, right? What else? Romans reminds us in Romans chapter eight that, that he's continuing to work behind the scenes. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't work together for everyone for good. It works together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Followers of Jesus Christ, that is. We get to experience something that other people don't. We get to have our gratitude glass on and see God, Hey, guess what? This is really hard what I'm going through right now, but you know what? I can be grateful that you're teaching me something. I can be grateful that you are doing something in my family. I had a conversation this week with a young mom going through a tremendously difficult time. And she said, this is one of the first times our family prayed and, and one of this family member prayed with us and, and God's working. God is good. He's working behind the scenes so that all things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. It's good. It's for my good is what it teaches me. He works out everything for my good. And last, it's evident. It is evident. It can be seen. It can be felt. It can be tasted. Psalm 34 says his goodness can be tasted and seen. Taste and see the Lord is good. Have you tasted it? I pray you have. Can you see it? Can you observe it? Or do you have your blinders on? Are we distracted, our heads down? We need God to lift our chin with gratitude and thanksgiving so that we can see all he's doing, to put those gratitude glasses on and to see what he's doing in our life, to recognize God's goodness. So how have you experienced his goodness? Maybe it's through his constant peace. You've had moments of loneliness and, and difficulty and you feel his presence, you feel his peace. Maybe you, you felt the love that endures. You know it's not gonna give up and you're just so grateful that somebody would love you and not give up on you. Maybe you've experienced his, his goodness uh, even in the working out of suffering. Something's happening in your life and it's been tremendously difficult, but God has been with you and he's going to work it out for your good. And you've experienced his goodness in that. Maybe it's, it's uh, reflecting on how he is light and as 1 John reminds us, if God is light and light is goodness, the darkness cannot overcome it, amen? The darkness cannot overcome the light. What tremendous hope we have. These are all things that he has given us. It's his goodness and gratitude. Takes off the blinders, looks up, puts on those gratitude glasses and sees God's grace, his gifts, and his goodness. So in our last few minutes here, I wanna give us all a challenge, something practical, tangible that we can do as a church or as individuals in our daily practices to help us to develop this. And yes, they start with R-E, okay? I couldn't help myself. Here's the first one. How to be thankful, how to be full of thanks. We can recognize, right? Let's learn to recognize all that God is doing, his goodness, his grace, his gifts in our life to instead of looking down at my phone all the time or being distracted, I'm gonna look around. I'm gonna smell the roses. I'm gonna see the, the goodness of everyday life. I'm just gonna experience all that he's doing. I'm gonna recognize it. And then the next step, would after I recognize it, I can reflect. 
This is hard for some of us because we, we're distracted and we, we don't want to, to do the extra work. But when we reflect, we can reflect on the significance of the gift, the significance of the goodness, the significance of his grace and how it changes us. And, and, and all of a sudden we start to be overwhelmed by just, just thankfulness and God, how, how can you be so good to give me salvation? And all those little things add up. We reflect on the significance and the source of our God. Third, Two more here. Third, we receive it gratefully with rejoicing. We receive it. God, I, I see the gift. I see the goodness. I see your grace. I, I'm gonna choose to receive it, God, and let it affect me. Let it change my worship. Let it change my prayer. Let it change who I am and my conversations. I will receive it, and God, I'm gonna rejoice in it. I'm gonna have joy because of it. And the last step here, that we can do in order to, to start to build this in our life is to record. Record it so we can review it later. My wife has this jar in our home where we put things that God has been doing in our life, things that we're grateful for, and, and at times we'll pull them out and read them together as a family. And it's really fun because sometimes we do forget. Oh, wow, I completely forgot about that. That was a really big deal like a year ago, and I haven't thought about it since. God solved that or God worked in that. And maybe for you, you're gonna start something like a, a thankful jar. Or you're gonna start a gratitude notebook. Whether you go on Amazon or you just jump on your notes app or just write it on a piece of paper, start to write down. Record what God has done. Record his gifts, his goodness, and his grace so you can review it later. Some practical things that we can do together to apply this and, and to be full of thanks. That's our prayer this morning, church that Renew Bible Church, that we would be a church overflowing with gratitude, overflowing with thanks, that it would change our conversations, it would change our jobs, it would change our marriages, it would change how we parent, it would change our hearts, that out of a fullness of gratitude, thanksgiving would flow. Would you pray with me? God, you are so good. Lord, forgive us at times when we have become numb to that. We forget about your grace and your goodness and your gifts every day. God, forgive us when we're distracted and, and worried and busy and we're looking down instead of looking up to you. Lord, thank you for not condemning us, but instead giving us mercy and grace. I pray that this church would be a church filled with people that are just overwhelmed by your goodness, God, that we can't help but talk about it. We can't help but sing about you, God. That when others look at us, they think, what is it that's going on in their life? How can they have joy in such a difficult world? Well, God, it's because we can cultivate gratitude. So thank you for your word. Thank you for a challenge to our hearts this morning. Lord, would you help us to cultivate that this week? Praise all in your name, Jesus. Amen.